Tonight, we are going to be talking about our house habit. We lean in. We lean in. Come on, say that with me. We Hey, I didn't say it with you, so technically. Hold on, let's say it again. We, oh, come on, my parents, man. They just, they show up. We lean in. I love this house habit. What are some other ways to say lean in? Tune in, listen up, step up, incline, transform. What's the opposite of lean in? Lean out. What are some other ways to say lean in? Check out, numb out, lean back, step back, recline, conform. Romans 12.2. We like this verse around here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Don't you want to know the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Lean in, be transformed. Lean out, conform. Romans 12, 2 in the the children's Bible. Come on, somebody. Hey, do not be shaped by this world. Oh, okay. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. And you will be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. Be changed within by a new way of thinking. To be changed within we must lean in. I love this house habit. I think it is foundational, and in my opinion, it is a prerequisite to living out all of the other house habits. Tonight, I want you to think of we lean in as a linchpin. Everybody know what that is? No, that's okay. The definition of linchpin one that serves to hold together parts or elements that exist or function as a unit. Anything serving to hold together the parts of a whole. I don't think we can lean in to embracing discipline or practicing honesty until we lean in in the first place. If I refuse to lean in, then chances are I may love a little, but I won't love big. Because big love requires me to bend and bend and bend again. I'll honor conveniently instead of consistently. <laughs> if I like the person, if there's something in it for me, embrace discipline, <laughs> please. And when the going gets tough, instead of living on and staying on mission, I'll lean all the way out and let life pass me by. I could go on and on. We lean in as the linchpin to all of our other house habits, and I believe it is the linchpin to living the abundant life. There's two things I want to talk about tonight that we must lean into to have and enjoy the life Jesus died for us to live. 
And the first thing that we need to lean into tonight is wisdom. Wisdom. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Oh, God. No, I'm kidding. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Hmm. Let's say that together. Never be wise in your own sight. Now tell your neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. Never be wise in your own sight. Romans 12, 16 in the New Living Translation. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never be wise in your own sight. And don't think you know it all. This alone will change everything every day, right? Because if we walk around with a mindset that we know everything, then we don't have to lean into life. But if we walk around with the mindset that there's something more for me to learn, then we lean in every day. I remember the first time I read, and don't think you know it all. (laughs) For a know-it-all like me, it messed me up. That that was in the word of God, you know, because I was a new believer and I was trying to eat this and I was trying to understand the word of God. And I thought, isn't that the goal of life? To be a know-it-all? Talk about a transformation. What else was I missing out on? What else didn't I understand? As believers, we should spend our entire lives leaning into wisdom. And there's two types of wisdom that we need. The first one is the wisdom of others. We need the wisdom of others. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction. That would change our lives right there if we just stopped right there. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Listen to advice. Lean into advice. Where do we find the wisdom of others? It seems like cheating, really, but one place that we find the wisdom of others is in books. Books. Don't check out on me. Lean in. Come on. I'm not a book person. Well, I get that. And that's why a lot of people don't read their Bible, because they've tricked themselves into believing they're not book people. But that's not true, because the God of the universe deemed it fitting to put his words into a book. So why do we think books aren't valuable for our life? Someone else's hard work, dedication, right at my fingertips. I can pay $10 for years of research that someone else had to do. Come on, somebody. Come on. Hey, I like it. Hours of editing, deep insight. I don't even have to get out of my pajamas or brush my teeth. And I can gain the wisdom of others. Why would I not lean into that? Podcasts, sermons, Bible studies. That's why gatherings like this are so important. We live in the digital age, the digital, everything, boom, boom, boom. I wonder what God says about, fill in the blank, push play. I don't have to read it. I don't even have to think. I could clean my kitchen and I could hear Billy Graham, who's a lot wiser than me, teach me how to think about the love of God. Books. 
podcasts, sermons, Bible studies. But we also find the wisdom of others in the people that we know. Just the everyday people that we know. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Come on. That's good info. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. We don't have to expound on that. That's pretty self-explanatory. Where do we find the wisdom of others? We find the wisdom of others in our elders. Come on, somebody. The wisdom of our elders If within your inner circle, you are missing someone that has lived a few more days than you and is thriving in life, then you're probably missing out on a whole load of wisdom that you desperately need. If you're a young single person and you meet a single person who's in their 50s and they are smiling and they are influencing people for good and they're serving and they're making a difference in their community, make them your friend. If you're newlyweds and you've been married about five years and and you meet a couple in their 70s and they're still laughing at each other's jokes. Come on, somebody. Dale had to leave, so never mind. I won't say nothing. Okay, if you're still laughing at each other's jokes, right? They're showing up to a group. Their grandchildren give them honor. Ooh, ooh, you better make them your friend because they know something that you don't know. And you need their wisdom. But we also gain wisdom from our peers. It's true. If in your inner circle, all of your peers are in the exact same season of life, that might be an indication that you need a few more of your peers in your circle. You need some peers. If you're you're married, you need a single person in your circle. You need a person who's been through some things. You need a person who's a little further along in their career. If everybody looks like you and talks like you and dresses like you and acts like you, you're probably missing out on a whole load of wisdom that you probably need. But we also can learn from those who are younger than us. This is the most humbling thing about parenting, isn't it? When your 15-year-old says something you never could have thought of, but you can't tell them that you never thought of it, and you're just like, oh, I mean, well, yeah. And then you go in your room, and this is me. I'm like, baby, you know when Joyce said that, you know, I had never thought about it like that. And I'm like, oh, man, I can never tell her. But now she's in here. Oh, I thought she was going to be working in kids. I just saw her. Okay. Anyway, okay. Moving on. But seriously, it is humbling though, isn't it? I think Timothy, from what we can see in Paul's writing to him, is that he had a little opposition. And so Paul says, hey, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. You have the wisdom of God. So lead well. There are young people who are wise. And if you're not young anymore, Clarissa, You need the wisdom of young people in your life. We need the wisdom of others, and we desperately, desperately need the wisdom of God. We have to lean into the wisdom of God because this does not come naturally. We have to make it a habit. We have to pull it into our life. 
Why? Because we were born leading, leaning out from the wisdom of God with a sinful nature that says, no, I want it my way. I, I got this. So we have to lean into the wisdom of God because it takes a little effort. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. If we could just meditate on that. God's, God doesn't think like us. He doesn't do things the way we would naturally do them. And we're not going to figure out how to live this life his way if we don't lean into what he has to say. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. The only way we will be able to think like God is if we lean all the way in to the wisdom of God. God wants to take us from thinking our natural thoughts and having our natural tendencies to being completely transformed by the renewing of our minds. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Don't think you know it all because there is only one who knows it all. We are given a very clear picture in scripture of what it looks like to lean into the wisdom of God and then lean right back out. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. I wonder if God, you know, maybe, no, wait. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be, somebody say will be, given him. Hold on, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We ask God for wisdom and then we doubt. It's like leaning in and then leaning back out. So unstable, so irregular, so rocky, so inconsistent. Have you ever done this? I know I have. You ask God in prayer or through Bible study, what should I do, God? How should I handle this? Where should I go? And then before you get the answer, you ask everyone else in a Facebook post. There goes that. Interesting. <laughs> so interesting. Or you text five friends, and when they don't give you the answer you're looking for, you text five more. <laughs> I've done it. Or maybe God gives you the answer. I mean, you know. Come on, we complicate this a lot. You know you're supposed to say yes. You know you're supposed to say no. You know you're supposed to stay. You know you're supposed to go. But then you think... What if I say yes and they don't understand? What if I say no and everybody else says yes? And then you just back and forth and back and forth. And we wonder why our lives are so inconsistent, so unstable, 
if we want stability in our lives, we have to lean all the way into the wisdom of God and trust him with the outcome. What else do we need to lean into to have and enjoy the the life that God wants us to live? We have to lean into wisdom and we have to lean into suffering. Come on. I know you can smell the burgers. Oh, Dale's here. I was like, who's, who's saying, come on, it's Dale. But let's just lean into this for a second. See, I'm leaning out right now. Let's lean into this for a second. I know it's Wednesday night and, and you know, we want to rah-rah and we will. But we need to talk about it. There's three quick truths about suffering. Suffering is no respecter of persons. So don't let the enemy trick you into believing you're the only one. Suffering will not cease on this side of heaven. And suffering was promised. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, we hear that verse if we've been in church a long time, and we say, yes, amen, count it all joy. But then, really, we don't know what in the world he's talking about. And we sure don't agree with what he's saying. Let's hear it in another translation. My friends, consider yourselves fortunate, okay, when all kinds of trials come your way. For you know that when your faith succeeds in facing trials, the result is the ability to endure. Make sure that your endurance carries you all the way without failing, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Paul has something similar to say in Romans 5, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And if he stopped right there, we could just shout. But then he says this almost as if it's a good thing. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. We rejoice in our sufferings. Is Paul crazy? Like who rejoices in their suffering? Who has inner peace and joy when they are going through the hardest times of their lives? I'll tell you who does. We do. We do. Suffering is never for suffering's sake in the life of a believer. Suffering is a producer. Suffering is a teacher. Suffering is a leader. And if we'll lean in instead of checking out, we might just learn some unforgettable lessons. What are James and Paul teaching us? Both of them say the same thing. Suffering produces endurance. Now that's a supernatural thought. How many of you need more endurance? <laughs> How many of you need more strength? My natural thought, my lean out thought, suffering produces pain. 
and pain is the one thing on this earth that I want to avoid. Pain avoidance, that's what they call it. Lean out, check out, numb out. This isn't fair, this is too hard. Divorce, debt, death. It's easier to lean out when pain comes knocking. I just won't open the door and maybe it'll go away. I'll run and I'll hide and I'll put my covers over my head. But what good does that do? Really? We think we're doing ourselves a favor when we lean out from suffering. But what we're really doing is robbing ourselves of the growth that God is wanting to produce in our life. Think about it. So many Americans are suffering from the pain and destruction of financial debt. We think it's just going to be too painful to make the changes we need to make. First, we have to admit that we made bad choices. Ouch. Then we have to tell our friends we're not going out. Ugh, ouch. <laughs> then I have to live differently for two years? Oh, God. Ouch. I have to stop vacation, stop buying everything I want. Ouch, ouch, ouch. I'll just lean out. I'll forget about it. We'll get another credit card. And maybe it'll all fix itself in 2025. It's not going to happen. Pain avoidance. It's actually a clinical term. What, what doctors and psychiatrists have found is that when people literally lean into the thing that's causing them pain, when they face up to the thing that has been causing them suffering, their addiction, their divorce, whatever it is, they experience recovery almost every single time. But when people respond in fear and they check out, they slip into avoidance and end with disability and depression, and in most cases, <clears throat> addiction. How crazy is that? I read last week that fear-based reactions to suffering are a basic instinct. Literally, our brain is it's, it's made to do this naturally. But this is why we have to make leaning into suffering a habit. A synonym of the word habit is second nature. We are born with a nature that says that get that pain out of my face. But as the children of God, we have access to a second nature because we have been reborn in Christ to live supernaturally in this world. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, come on. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, ouch. Distress, ugh. Persecution, 
famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, knowing all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, That's some capital S suffering right there. In all these things, we don't have to lean out. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How do you lean into suffering? By first leaning into the love of God. The unconditional, all-powerful love of God, accepting it, but then doing more than accepting it, abiding in it, living in it every single day. So no matter what comes against you, you don't have to be afraid. Because in all these things, (laughs) I'm more than a conqueror. When we lean into suffering, trusting that God has us in the palm of his hand, Trusting that his love will keep us and carry us through the darkest of nights. We don't run and we won't hide when it looks us in the face. We'll lean in, we'll stand firm, and we'll conquer. We lean in. We are changed within by a new way of thinking. When you hear the word suffer, I just want you to think, conquer. The next time pain enters your life, an unexpected season of suffering knocks on your door and all heck breaks loose. Lean in. Think. In all these things, I am more than a conqueror. Ask yourself, what am I about to learn? (laughs) God, where are we about to go? How am I about to grow? Romans 8, 17 and 18. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share his suffering. (laughs) Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. How can we conquer if we never suffer? Jesus conquered. A little bit before he went to the cross, he had a conversation with his disciples and he just said, hey, you're going to have a lot of trouble in this world. But you don't have to be moved. You don't have to be afraid. Because I've already overcome the world. Because I've conquered. You can conquer. 
to be changed within. Come on, we must lean in. We have to lean into suffering. We have to lean into wisdom. We have to build these habits into our life. Because when we do, when we lean into wisdom, when we lean into suffering, you know who we're living like? Jesus, the prayer team, got it. We're living like Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 2, and this has always fascinated me, it just skips over, it says it and then skips it. And I'm like, wait, let's go back. That Jesus Christ grew in wisdom and stature and favor. Jesus Christ. The Bible says about Jesus in another place that he is the wisdom of God. And sometimes we can forget that Jesus was human and he willingly subjected himself to the same exact process that all of us have to go through. He grew in wisdom. And the only way you grow in wisdom is if you lean into wisdom. Jesus. And boy, did Jesus lean into suffering. Come on, we could talk about it for the rest of our lives and not really understand the gravity of what happened on that cross. He knew it was coming. We see the Garden of Gethsemane. We see him feeling it. But what did he do anyway? Thank you, Jesus. He leaned in. to remember that before he was our conquering king, he was our suffering savior. You can't conquer if you don't suffer. We entered into a planned season of suffering. You know how you do that. You're like, we're going to buy a house. That's a planned season of suffering. If you were wondering, uh, everybody who's like, I can't wait to buy a house. Okay, just get ready. We were getting our son ready to go to the University of Oklahoma, and we were excited because that's my husband's favorite college, and he's from Oklahoma, and oh, it was amazing. But we felt this thing happening, and we weren't sure what it was, and we had a family meeting, and we found out that he felt called into ministry. And so his dad and I had already paid the University of Oklahoma some money. <laughs> they didn't give it back, but that's okay. That's all another story. We'll talk about that later. Jesus help us. I still think about it. I need to let it go. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, but then we started talking and we said, you know what? We don't ever want this boy to have to have student loans. And when we got married, we said, we're getting out of debt and we're never going back into debt. So we leaned in. <laughs> we thought it was the wisdom of God for us at the time into a planned season of suffering. We're going to eat differently. <laughs> we were going to dress differently. Life was going to be harder for a little bit. We were going to see how vain we really were. Ooh. And you know what? It has been so amazing. There have been times where I wanted to check out and I just thought, let's just get a small loan. Let's just get a small loan. This is too much. I just, I don't want to eat salad again. so glad I didn't because now I know what we're made of but more than that I know what God is made of 
because we haven't missed a beat. It's been a little suffering, but we've still been able to have our group at our house and we feed people and we laugh and they drink all our coffee and it's amazing. And you think, well, cut that out of your life right now because you know you're going to this planned season. But what I've learned is that when I just trust God, he works all that other stuff out. I had an unplanned season of suffering in 2017. We found out that there were some things going on in my body and in 2018, my body was racked with pain for about nine months. And I probably went longer than I should have, but I was starting to get angry and bitter and fake all the things I said I never wanted to be. And nobody else really knew it. But then I got some wise counsel from my friend and my mentor, Coach D's right there. Hey. And he said some things I had never thought of. And I could have <laughs> left his office and thought, well, that was good. I mean, that was real pastory of you or whatever. to my desk and I, and I called Dale and I said, baby, coach said something I've never thought of. Now, I could have just kept going on and faking it and being in pain and not telling anybody and being angry and being bitter and one day I would have imploded or exploded. But instead, I had to humble myself and lean into somebody else's wisdom. And it's changed my life whether we plan it or it just hits us in the face, we will not escape suffering. Not as long as we're breathing. Stand with me. If you just close your eyes and just focus for a second. It's never going to get any better if you just keep leaning out. I know you want it to fix itself, but that's not how it works. Just bow your heads and close your eyes, please. Just focus for a second. You have the ability as a child of God to think a supernatural thought and apply it and it could change everything in your life by just leaning into the wisdom of God leaning into the wisdom of someone else instead of avoiding all your pain and numbing out and checking out leaning in and saying no no he already told me I'm more than a conqueror so I'm not leaning out I'm just going to figure out what are we about to learn you about to show me about yourself oh I'm feeling that joy that James was talking about I get it now this is a part of the abundant life I lean into God and he reveals more about himself and I feel joy on the inside and I feel peace on the inside and I'm doing things I never thought I could right now 
all of us have things that we like to lean out from on a regular basis. But some of you have things that you have literally just checked out. And you just think, man, hopefully that's going to work itself out. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just so I can see you? wrestle with that thought. You know what? I already know that. That's a lean out thought. I already know that. Tonight you can lay that down. You can become a lifelong learner tonight. You can decide this is going to be my new habit. Just repeat after me and we're going to be done and we're going to pray for the food. Father, I thank you because of you all things are truly possible it doesn't have to be the way it's always been I don't have to think the way I've always thought change me make me help me to lean in in Jesus name